All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a Daily Power Parsha. Today is Friday, March 18, 2022. Perhaps more importantly, it is Shushan Purim. It is the celebration of Shushan Purim, celebration of Purim in walled cities and Jerusalem included. And it is a party. Even though we may not celebrate here in the diaspora, we can certainly celebrate with our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land um, and, uh, and be part of that joy as well. Okay, let's jump into the reading. This week's Torah portion is Tzav. Because it's Friday, we're going to... I'm sorry, so then how would we continue celebrating today? Um, well, there are certain measures in our prayers, certain prayers that we don't say today, like the tachnon, the prayers of, of asking for forgiveness, which I mentioned, I think I mentioned a few days ago, we don't say on special days. This is one of those days that we don't say it because we're not thinking about the negative. We're thinking about the positive. Um, how do we do it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we can give tzedakah to Israeli causes for today. That would be one way to do it. I did that as well. Um, what else can be done? So it's being attentive to the... Yeah, attentive, the exactly, yeah. exactly. Attentive and, uh, and the kind of, you know, we, we're still filled with joy knowing that others are celebrating and, you know, it's still... So it's like a, it's an internal type of joy that also has some manifestations as well in practical halacha. Okay, so this week is Tzav, and we're... Uh, that's the Torah portion, and we are concluding the readings today. So let's jump in. I'm going to pull this up on my end. I got Sav ready to go. And I still have the artwork from a few days ago up. Okay, here we go. I closed it. Torah reading for Sav, reading number six. Six, seven, half Torah. That's what we're going to do today. Leviticus chapter eight. And let's jump in. So Leviticus chapter eight, verse 22. I want to just bring, remind everyone what we're doing right now. God has... God is speaking to Moses, sorry, God spoke to Moses, told him how to inaugurate his brother and his nephews, the, the Kohanim, the priests, into the service. There's a series of offerings. There's a protocol, ritual. This is getting, going to the mikvah, you know, bathing, going to mikvah, getting dressed, bringing certain offerings, etc. Moses, as I uh, elaborated on a few days ago, Moses is very much the hands-on director of these various ritual items. So he's doing the offerings, he's, do, he's doing the dressing, he's doing the, doing the bathing, doing the dressing, and doing the offerings. There were four items that were brought for the offerings, for the inauguration of the Kohanim, the priests. A, um, just stop sharing for a second. A sin offering bull, two rams, and a uh, mincha, a meal offering. So let's talk about what exactly all of these were for. The sin offering ram, sorry, the sin offering bull was a sin offering. The first ram was brought, actually, I'm sorry. Let, let, me, let me actually go back because I think I may be misrepresenting slightly. Let me just double check. Let's go back to reading five. The bull, yeah. It was. I was right. It was a sin offering bull. Okay. Then the first ram was a burnt offering, an ola. Okay. I, I, I was hoping I didn't confuse those two, which I didn't. So the, 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 the bull was a sin offering. The first ram was a burnt offering known as an ola, an ola offering. 
Now, what about the second ram? That's what we're about to do now. Here we go. And Moses brought near, he, Moses brought near the second ram. In other words, he brought the second ram close to the Mishkan, outside the Mishkan building. He brought the ram there. The ram of the investitures. What's that? What's ram of the investitures? It's a fancy way of saying it's the inauguration ram. There was a ram that was brought to inaugurate the Kohanim. So there was a bull for a sin offering, a ram for a burnt offering, and a ram for the inauguration, straight up. And Aaron and his sons, Aaron and his sons, leaned their hands forcefully upon the ram's head. And he slaughtered it, Moses did. And Moses took some of the blood, some of its blood, and he placed it, listen to this, on the cartilage of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and, I'm not going to demonstrate this one, on the big toe of his right foot. So all the right side, cartilage of the ear, thumb of the right hand, and big toe of the right foot. Some of the blood of this second ram, the ram of the inauguration, went on the ear, the thumb, and the foot. I shared this with you when we read, this was the end of the book of Exodus, when God commanded this to Moses to do, this is when it's actually happening. But when God told Moses about this, I told you an insight. And that insight is when a leader becomes a leader, which is exactly what's happening now. Aaron and his sons are becoming leaders. When a leader becomes a leader, it's all about the people. But what happens, what could happen, because people are people and life is life and you know things are not always ideal, is that the leader can forget why they're a leader. They might think it's about themselves. Oh, I'm a leader because... I get to be the boss because I get to feel important, because I get to be in charge. And they might forget about the people. So, this offering, which is the ram of the investitures, it's literally the ram of the inauguration. This ram is going to help get them commissioned into service. The blood of the ram says, always listen to what the people have to say. Get ready to extend your hand to what they need and run to, to get what needs to be done, done, because that is what a leader is. Hearing, um, um, so ears, hands, and feet, all in. I hear, I extend my hand, and I run to do what my constituents need. That is the role of a leader. That is the role of an Aaron, and that is the message, the deeper message of the blood ritual on the ear, the thumb, and the toe. All right, verse 24. And he, Moses, brought Aaron's sons forward. That was Aaron's. That was Aaron's ear, uh, thumb, and toe. Then the sons came forward, the four sons of Aaron. And Moses placed some of the blood on the cartilage of their right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands, then on the big toes of their right feet. Okay, so they got the same treatment. Ear, thumb, and toe. Hear, do, and run. Not hear, do. Hear, Hear, listen, do, and run to do what's needed. And Moses then dashed the blood on the altar around. So first blood was applied to the ear, thumb, and toe, and then it was dashed around the altar. And he took the fat, the tail, all the, flat, all the fat which was on the innards, the diaphragm of the liver, the two kidneys, together with the fat on the right thigh. And, okay. Hold on. Okay, one second. Doesn't say that he burnt it. So listen to this. 
Let, let's, let's rewind verse 25. So he took the fat, the tail, all the fat which was on the innards, the diaphragm of the liver, the two kidneys together with their fat, and the right thigh of this ram. By the way, a ram, we said, is like a sheep. It's an older sheep. So that's why the tail was involved, just to, so that we're recalling this information. Sheep, which includes lambs and rams, always involve the tail. Now, the tail is always involved in this. Um, so these are items that were taken from this offering, okay? And what do we do with it? Hold on. No, hold on, not yet. And out of the basket of unleavened bread, remember there was also a meal offering of unleavened bread, and out of the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one loaf of unleavened bread and one loaf of oily bread and one wafer, okay? He took one representative of each, and he placed them on top of the fats and the right thigh. Now it's getting messy. So he's got all these parts of the animal, and then he stacks on top of it a loaf or uh, some unleavened bread. Yeah, a loaf. Sorry, a loaf of unleavened bread, a loaf of oil of bread, and, and one wafer. Those are different types of meal offerings. Right? And he put them on top of the animal parts. And then Moses placed it all, this stack, I don't know how big it was, on Aaron's palms. And on his son's palms, right? And he waved them as a waving before the Lord. Up, down, right, forward, back, all six directions. Up, down, right, left, forward, back, all the directions. They did the wave offering. It's known as the tenufa, tenufa, wave offering before Hashem. And the wave offering, again, just to be very clear, the wave offering consisted of Various fats and parts, including the right thigh, which we haven't seen before, of this El Hamiluyim, of this inauguration ram offering. And one loaf of bread of the three types of bread, the unleavened, the oily, and the wafer. And all of that was waved by Aaron and his sons before Hashem. And then, 28, and Moses took them from their hands. And then... He made them go up and smoke on the altar along with the burnt offering. So then all these pieces were put on the, on the altar. But before they were placed on the altar to be burned, there was first the waving ritual. So the meat, the animal parts, the animal, the piece of the animal were put together with the bread, waved around, and then burnt on the altar. They were investiture offerings. In other words, inauguration offerings as a pleasing fragrance, a fire offering to the Lord. And Moses took the breast and waved it as a waving before the Lord. That's, again, part of the animal of this El Hamiluyim, this, this, uh, this ram of investiture, this inauguration ram. So Moses did this waving of the breast of the animal. He waved it as a waving before God. It belonged to Moses as a portion. Listen to this. It belonged to Moses as a portion from the ram of the investitures as the Lord had commanded Moses. He get, Moses gets a portion just like... It's fine. You can hit the climb. Okay, Rivas, you want to say hi? No? Oh, hold on. So, do you need it here? Yeah, do you have it? Is that okay? Yeah, it's fine. Sure. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm going to move to... That's fine. I, I'm going to go... Guys, hold on one second. No, it's fine. Hey, guys, hold on. I'm on the move. Give me a second here. Sorry about that. No worries at all. Okay. Now we got a little bit tour of the uh, of the building. Okay. 
Okay, here we go. Let's, now I'm on a couch, it's much more comfortable. Um, can you guys see in here okay? Everything's still good? Yes. Okay, awesome. All right, I was in a room and the kids needed it for some, uh, for some learning. You're so, on a couch preparing for Passover. See that? <laughs> I, I can teach while leaning. It's perfect, perfect timing. Okay. Um, so what's interesting here about this El Hamiluyim, this, because so far we've had two animals. The, the bull was a sin offering standard. The first ram was a burnt offering standard. This second ram, third animal, second ram, is brand new. It's an El Hamiluyim. It's a ram of inauguration. Never had that before. What exactly is a ram of inauguration? Like, what is that? What do you do with that? Like, how does that work? So what we have here is it's slaughtered. Then the parts of the animal that, are, that will be burned are collected first, topped off with the breads, the various loaves, waved around, and then put on the altar. So there's this waving ceremony that happens, which is unique. In addition to this, the last verse, verse 29 that we just read, Moses takes part of the animal, takes the breast of the animal, and he waves it, and then he eats it. He was able to eat it. It belonged to Moses as a portion from the Ram of the Investitures. So what's unique here is that there were some offerings, and I'm going to stop sharing for a second just so we can schmooze a little bit closer. So there were some offerings where the Kohen, the priest, would be able to eat part of the offering. Right? In many offerings, the Shlomim, peace offerings, the Kohen would be able to enjoy part of the offering. Um, in addition to the altar or the one who brought it, whatever it is, the, the person who brought it would have some pieces of it. In this case, who is the one that gets a piece? Moses. So like I told you a few days ago, for these seven days of the investiture of the, uh, of the inauguration, for these seven days of practice, the practice run, if you will, I'm not really practice, but for these seven days of you know, getting things moving, Moses was like a Kohen. So he gets a piece of the offering. Typically, Moses would not have anything from the offering. It was not a Kohen. But in this case, suddenly he gets a piece of the offering. Very, very unique scenario. Okay, let's jump inside. Let's take a look at some Rashi's. Let's, uh, let's rock and roll. Okay, Rashi's commentary. Um, aha, look at this. Rashi disagrees with me. Here we go. El Hamaluyim, Ram of the Investitures. Take a look at Rashi. This expression is equivalent to El Hashlamim, the completion ram. The word Meluim does not mean inauguration. Look at that. I've been calling it inauguration because it, it was connected to the inauguration. But he says it's not actually inauguration, but rather it denotes Shlamim, the peace offering. For these rams filled and completed the status of the Kohanim in their Kuna. All right. I mean, I'm still going to call it. Okay. I, I hear... Um, Oh, that's a brackets. The bracket says it's not inauguration. Rashi doesn't actually say that. That's the brackets. Okay. Anyway, Rashi explains. I'm going to still stick with a little bit, with stick to my guns a little bit and say this was an inauguration ram. The, the, the meaning of meluyim means fill or complete. Like when you fill something out, you complete it. When you complete it, it's whole and it's perfect which is also a meaning, a definition of the word shalem. Shalom means peace, but shalem means complete. And the two words are, are connected. So it was really like a shlom, like a peace offering, which is why at the end of the reading we just read, 
which is why Moses gets to eat part of the animal. Why does he get to eat part of the animal? It's a shlamim, which means part of it goes to God, part of it goes to the Kohen, in this case Moses, who was acting as a Kohen on behalf of his brother, who would become the Kohen, Gadol. All right, I hope that makes sense. Let's continue. Um, Rashi clarifies what the oily bread refers to. That's the one scalded with boiling water. Okay. Um, Rashi, this is perfect. This is right on theme. Moses caused them to go up and smoke on the altar. What does Rashi say? Moses performed the service throughout all the seven days of investitures, dressed in a white robe. In other words, Moses was acting as the Kohen for seven days. He was dressed in the white robe. He was doing the work. There you go. Um, Rashi says, with the exception of this one, this one offering, this ram, this ram of completion, we do not find anywhere in Scripture a case of a thigh, of a peace offering being offered up in the altar. And, and you probably realize that that was very unique. We never encountered a thigh. The right thigh of the animal was burnt in the altar. Since when is a right thigh? We know the fat and the tail and the diaphragm and the liver and the kidneys. We have our, you know, we've been doing this for a few weeks now. We have our script. We know the Torah repeats itself every single time it talks about one of these offerings. We get the same, same, the same menu. Here we have the right thigh. That's unique. That was only for this, for this Elam Elohim, for the, for the, um, this ram of the completion of the inauguration, that was the only time that part of the animal was brought. All right, now we jump into reading number seven, and we're going to close out the Torah portion with this reading. So again, we're reading how Moses literally um, inaugurates and gets the Kohanim and the Mishkan up and running. But before we read reading seven, I just need to tell you this. Next week's Torah portion, which is called Shemini, which means eight, is what happens on the eighth day, which there were seven days of inauguration, and then the eighth day was opening day. Opening day to the public. That's when the Mishkan officially opened for business. As we'll see next week, tragedy struck on that day. That day was Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the first day of Nisan, in the Jewish year 2449 from creation, 2449. So a little under one year from the Exodus is when the Mishkan opened up uh, for business. These seven days that we're talking about are the seven days prior to Rosh Chodesh Nisan, to the first day of Nisan. So this would be either 23 through 29 or 24 through 30, depending on how many days Adar had that year. So the last seven days of Adar are when this story happens with Moses inaugurating the priests and, and all this good stuff. All right, let's continue. Let's see what happened. What else did Moses do for those seven days? And Moses took some of the anointing oil. Oh, by the way, he did this entire protocol every single day of those seven days. He brought those offerings, everything repeated all seven days. And Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood that was on the altar. Oh, that's an interesting mix. Anointing oil that had the spices in it and some blood that was on the altar. And he sprinkled it, oil and blood. Wow. Talk about a stain. Man, those are like two stains that I've, uh, I've had to Google how to get them out of clothing. You know, oil and blood. Man, that's like... All right. Oil. So he took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood that was on the altar and he sprinkled it on Aaron and on his garments. 
and on his sons, Aaron's sons, and on his sons' garments. And he sanctified Aaron, his garments, his sons, and his sons' garments with him. So this not only gave a good stain to the garments, but it also, I'm kidding, I don't know how they got that out, but whatever, but it also anointed, it inaugurated, sanctified, purified, you know, got, got the spirituality kicking for Aaron, his sons, and their respective garments. Let's continue verse 31. And Moses said to Aaron and to his sons, Cook the flesh. Cook the bashlu es abasar. Cook the flesh. I'm assuming he means of the offerings. At the entrance of the tent of meeting. In other words, in the mishkan, in the courtyard. Outside the building. But inside the courtyard. And eat it there. And the bread that is in the basket of the, invest, of the investiture offerings, also you should eat there. As I've commanded, saying, Aaron and his son shall eat it. This is, a, this is just, again, doubling down or clarifying. When we have an offering that is Kodesh Kadashim, Holy of Holies offering, it must be eaten inside the Mishkan by somebody who is fitting to eat it and within a specified amount of time. So who, what, where, when is highly specific. It's sacrificial, either meat or breads. It is only a Kohen. It is only in the temple and only for a limited amount of time, typically a day and a night. And whatever is left over from the flesh and the bread, if you can't finish it in that day and night, you shall burn in fire. You should burn it in fire. Why? Because it's, it would be nosar, leftovers. Otherwise, holy leftovers that cannot be eaten. So what do you do with it? You can't have any other benefit from it. You can't like give it away to someone else. They can't eat it. You can't feed an animal. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not proper. It's, it's meant for spiritual eating. And, and that time is up. So what do you do? You shall burn it in fire. And you shall not leave. Listen to this. You shall not leave the entrance of the tent of meeting for seven days. All seven days. One second. Oh, this is... Moses telling Aaron, it's not God telling him, this is Moses telling Aaron all these laws that God had told him. Moses communicating to Aaron, you shall not leave the entrance for seven days, attempt to meet for seven days, until the day of the completion of your investiture days. He will inaugurate you for seven days. So the Kohanim had to be there for all seven days. They didn't, they didn't go home. That's basically the implication. They did not go home to their personal residences. They stayed in the temple. Seven days they were locked in for this inauguration. By the way, in a very similar vein, the Kohen Gadol, every year, the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, before Yom Kippur, would lock himself, not lock himself, but like would remain in the temple for seven days, reviewing the laws and getting ready for it spiritually, practically, just getting ready for that big day of Yom Kippur. The high priest in Yom Kippur would do the entire service himself from A to Z. Typically, there were shifts and different kohanim, and the high priest didn't really do it like other kohanim did it. You know, I mean, he brought his own offering every single day, but typically, you know, it was delegated. On Yom Kippur, he did the whole thing A to Z. So there's a lot, a lot of training, a lot of practice, I and mean, not practice, but a lot of review that had to happen. Okay, back inside. Let me share my screen once again. So Moses tells Aaron and his sons, you're not leaving here for seven days until this seven days of miluyim, of the inauguration, investiture is complete. As he did on this day, so the Lord has commanded to do, to effect atonement for you. In other words, 
Whatever we're doing is what God has told us to do. And you shall stay day and night for seven days at the entrance of the tent of meeting, to the tent of meeting. In other words, you can't go home at night. This is day and night, seven days, 24-7 in the temple, or in the Mishkan. You shall observe the Lord's command so that you will not die. For thus I was commanded, says Moses to his brother and his nephews. You got to do this or else uh, it's not going to be good. So do this. This is what God has told me. And Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord commanded through Moses. And that is the end of the reading. Let's take a quick look at Rashi. Rashi says, um, as the Lord has commanded to do, on all seven days of investitures, and a rabbi is expounded in the verse as follows. The word lasais, to do, alludes to the procedure involving the paradum of the red cow. The word lechaper, lechaper, to effect atonement, alludes to the service of Yom Kippur, like I mentioned a moment ago. This comes to teach us that just as there were seven days of the investiture, so too the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, who performed the service on Yom Kippur, was required to separate from his home seven days before Yom Kippur, and so was the Kohen who performed the burning of the red heifer, the red cow. In both of these instances, because it was so highly technical and so critical to get it right, I mean, that's my own addition for the rationale, but in these three instances, whether a new Kohen for his inauguration, or a Kohen Gadol before Yom Kippur, or the Kohen that was about to do a Paraduma red heifer, which didn't happen very often, they needed to train, prep, and spiritually aligned for seven days inside the temple, inside the Mishkan, or the Beit HaMidash, in order to be ready for that ritual. All right. Rashi says, do this so that you will not die. However, but if you do not do so, in other words, if you go home in those seven days, you do incur the death penalty. And Aaron's did all these things to tell their praise. Namely, that, didn't, they, that they did not deviate to the right or to the left. They didn't deviate one iota from what God had commanded them to do. All right, so that concludes the Torah reading. We'll do that Torah in a moment. So what's the message? I think there's a powerful message. You know, look, I'm right now I'm broadcasting live from a school. And we've all been to a school. We've all had education, right? We have continuing education. That's what we do every day, right? Continuing education, Jewish education. Um, it's important to invest in education. Invest our time and our effort and our resources in education. Seven days of investiture, seven days of investment, seven days of training that Aaron needed. Aaron, the high priest, his sons, the Kohanim, the priests, and yet they need seven days of training, seven days of education. Right, talk about a you know a seminar or a retreat or whatever it is. Seven days of a lock-in in the temple, to, in the Mishkan, the tabernacle, to make sure that they knew exactly what they needed to do, that they were sanctified and consecrated with the right amount of holiness, so that they could perform their their tasks. It is not possible to expect somebody to jump into a situation and perform nobly. That's the point. Not even Aaron. Not even Nadav Aviyu, Allah, Tamar. You can't expect someone, you can't put them in a position and say, run, go for it, and expect it to be successful. There has to be training, education, adequate prep. So I'm thinking about it in the context of Judaism in general. Like, how, how do we know what to do without education? How, how, how do we know what to do? Uh, what's a mitzvah? How do we do a mitzvah? How do we keep Shabbos, kosher? Um, you know, what, what's the basic or, you know, daily Judaism like if we don't study? So we got to study. 
consider that our seven days of inauguration. I think what I'm trying to say is that we do seven days of inauguration every day. I'm just saying, right? That's our, that's our training. All right, questions, comments before we go to the half Torah? Make sense? All right. You guys, you guys are an easy crowd. Very amenable. Maybe I didn't say anything uh, too hot topic. That's, I guess that's the, that's the other message. Okay, let's share the screen and let's go to the Haftorah. Haftorah throws a little bit of, uh, of, of action our way. This comes from Yermio. Jeremiah. The prophet Yermio lived at the times of the first temple, toward the end of the first temple era. In fact... I believe, wasn't he murdered by his own people? I think so. I think Yermio Anavi was murdered by the Jewish people because he was prophesying regarding the destruction of the temple and they didn't want to hear it. I believe they, uh, I believe they, they murdered the prophet. Okay. Jeremiah chapter 7. Oof. Starts off with a little rebuke related to the temple and the offerings. L- listen to this. Jeremiah tells the people, so says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Listen to this line. Add your burnt offerings upon your sacrifices and eat flesh. What does that mean? Sounds very dramatic, but what does it mean? So Rashi says something very fascinating. Take a look. Add your burnt offerings that you offer up completely Uh, There should be like a space there. It would be better for you to add them to your peace offerings and sacrifice them as peace offerings and eat the flesh, for they are not acceptable before me. Why then should you lose them? In other words, if you recall, a burnt offering is a gift that goes totally for God, and the person who brings it doesn't have any portion in that offering. So God says, you know what? Don't bother giving me gifts, because anyway, it's not sincere. Anyway, it's not really a gift. Again, imagine a relationship, yeah, that's a little bit um, not in a good place. Let's put it that way. Imagine a relationship that's not in a good place. And one party gives the other one a gift. Let's just say a husband and wife. A husband gives the wife a gift, and she says, you know what? Take it back. Not interested in your gift. Right? Take it back. I don't want your gift. It's like, you're giving me a gift? We're in the middle of a fight. You're giving me a gift? I don't want your gift. Take it back. Right? I'm not suggesting this should happen. I'm just saying that imagine a scenario like that, right? That where, where somebody gives a gift and the other one says, no, thank you. A gift is meant out of love and devotion, dedication. It's for you. It's not for me. Wonderful. But if that's not where it's coming from, so I'll tell you, don't even bother. Save your money. Keep your money. Keep your gift. That's what God says to the people through the prophet Jeremiah. You want to bring me a burnt offering? That's for me. Keep it. Do a peace offering. Eat it. Eat it. Don't. It's not sincere anyway, right? It's, it's not sincere anyway. I don't, want your, I don't want your burnt offering. That's essentially what God says. Again, if you look at Rashi on this verse, right? It would be better for you to add them to your peace offerings and sacrifice them as peace offerings and eat the flesh for they're not acceptable for me. And I, was, I, don't, I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't want, your, I don't want your gift. I don't want your gift. Eat it. Eat it yourself. Why then should you lose them? God's like, <laughs> you enjoy it. You're giving me flowers, you keep the flowers. Yeah. You bring me lunch, keep the lunch, eat it yourself, I don't want your lunch. That's, uh, that's a little bit of a, uh, of a rebuke, if I ever heard of one, right? Well, what, is, what was the issue? Idolatry, 
and murder and immorality, the three big ones. At the time, very good question. At the time of the first temple, the, the end of the first temple era, it's rampant corruption, the big three. When I say the big three, I mean, it's all, you know, every mitzvah is powerful and whatever, but three big prohibitions are murder, um, adultery, and idolatry, serving idols. Those are the capital punishment. Yes. Right. Yes, those were the capital punishment ones, and that was, that, those were running rampant amongst the people. The second temple, that, that's why the first temple, hey Mark, that's why the first temple was destroyed. The second temple was destroyed due to infighting amongst our people. Not the big sins, but like we couldn't get along. Lack of uh, love and attentiveness to each other. But the first temple was straight up the big stuff. So, I mean, he was basically, Jeremiah was for years telling the people, you got to stop, you got to stop, you got to stop and change your ways and get back on the right track. And people didn't listen, obviously. I mean, it ended with disaster, with, 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 uh, with destruction. But here, Jeremiah is, is like telling the people, God doesn't even want your, doesn't even want your offerings anymore. That, that's, how, that's, that's, how, that's how low you've gone. It's like, don't, don't bother me with your offerings. Don't. It's a good thing, the covenant, that no more, no more floods. You know, it's a good thing that... that <laughs> By the way, it says that God took out his wrath on the, on the stones and the mortar and not on the people. God destroyed the temple, but not that the Jews. That would be nice because the stones have souls too. <laughs> correct, correct. But stones are replaceable. So God took out the the God took out his um, his lack of happiness with the way we were acting. God took it out on the temple and not on the people. So we're still around. The temple's not around. Oh, on, on the temple, okay. On the not temple. Stones per se. No, the stones. Of the, I meant to the stones of the temple. Right. Um, so oh, that the was destruction of the temple. That was destroyed, but we're right. still we're still here. I'm Yisrael Chaim. All right. So let's get back inside. Uh, but God says kind of sarcastically here, you know, add your burnt offerings upon your sacrifice and eat flesh. In other words, ch- instead of burnt offerings, bring it, as a, bring it as a peace offering and then eat the flesh. Then enjoy yourself. I don't want it. For neither did I speak with your forefathers, nor did I command them on the day I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning a burnt offering or a sacrifice. In other words, I, 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 never, I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want your animals. What do I, what do I want? Verse 23. But this thing did I command them. I don't. I hear this as literally a conversation. I, I can. I can. Even, I hear this as a conversation, right? But this thing did I command them, saying, "Obey me, so that I am your God and you are my people." I want a relationship. I don't want your animals. You think you can trot out an animal and as a token? We discussed this, right? In in these Torah portions, it's not the animal. It's it's the it's the it's the rela- it's the connection. There's internal work that has to be done along with the with the carbon with the offering. So God says, I, I don't want your animals. I want you to be mine. I want to be your God and you should be my people. And you walk in all the ways that I command you, so that it may be well with you. I want it to be good for you. I want to be in a relationship. But Jeremiah tells the people, God says, but they, the people, the Jewish people, did not obey, nor did they incline their ear but walked according to their own counsels and the view of their evil heart. And they went backwards and not forwards. 25. Since the day that your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt until this day, I sent you, God says, I sent you all my servants, the prophets, sending them day after day with every fresh morn, fresh morning. Listen, God is saying, I've given you, you can't, I've given you, 
the communication. I've given you inspiration. I've given you leadership. I've given you the word. What are you missing? Yet they hearkened not to me, nor did they incline their ear, but stiffened their necks. They did worse than their fathers. Successive generations did worse than their fathers. Maybe that's an allusion to the golden calf. Maybe. And when you will speak of all these words to them and they will not hearken to you and you call to them and they will not answer you, then say to them, this is the nation that did not hear the voice of the Lord their God and has not received correction. Out of, out of their mouth faithfulness has disappeared. Yeah, or ye, ye rooted out. <laughs> all right, basically, uh, yay, yay rooted out. Faithfulness has disappeared. Indeed, it is rooted out. They are not faithful anymore. They have gone their own way, God says. God is telling Jeremiah to tell the people, and Jeremiah is telling the people that this is what God told me to tell you. God told me to tell you. You guys are, essentially, you're not behaving. God doesn't like it. God doesn't want your animals. Stop bringing the animals. Start following God. It's not about the animals. Stop it with the animals, right? You can't bring animals and everything is good. Stop with the flowers. Let's build the relationship. Stop with the gifts. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's work on the relationship here. Yeah. But so it's very striking that this is the Haftorah for upon after weeks of learning about all the sacrifices. And you think that this is a good, right? You think like we're in a good place and we're reminded, I think, perfectly. It's the perfect pivot. It's like the perfect counterpoint that even in these parashiot, these Torah portions that are all about the animal sacrifices, God wants you, not the animal. The animal was a way for us to kind of wake up to the, to the relationship, but it's not about us. Sorry, it's not about the animal, it's about us. I think that's the big idea here. But this goes back to, we were discussing, I think it was last week, you know, since we do prayer now and not sacrifices. I yeah. Mean, remember, there was an opposing opinion that why is all this about sacrifices when God didn't really want us to do it? He knew we wouldn't be doing them eventually. Uh, yeah, maybe, could be. That's what Rambam says, yeah, yeah. So, the Haftorah concludes with a beautiful two, two verses. Beautiful two verses. Thus, oh, we're almost that, thanks. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom. Let the strong man not boast of his strength. Nor the rich man boast of his riches. In other words, if you're wise... Don't boast. Don't let it go to your head. If you're strong, don't let it go to your head. If you're rich, don't let it, a, don't let it go to your head. But let him, let him that boast, boast, exult in this, in this, that he understands and knows me. In other words, what should you take pride in? Your, your, your wisdom, your strength, your wealth? No. In a relationship with God, that he understands and knows me. For I am the Lord who practices kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for in these things I delight, says the Lord. I don't care how smart someone is or how strong someone is or how wealthy someone is. By the way, these are like the qualities that we worship in our society. We worship the smart people, the strong people, the rich people. Everyone wants to be smart and rich and, 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 well, and, and, uh, and, and wise. I mean, literally, all the self-help books are all about this. How to become smarter, how to become stronger, how to become richer. Strong is not only about pumping weights. It's about, um, you know, be dominating, 
right? Look at what's going on in the world. It's all about dominating and strength and flexing power. And this is what we worship as a society. Power, wealth, and wisdom. And God says, I don't care about these things. What do I care about? A relationship. What is someone who's valued to me? Not someone who's smart, someone who's strong, and someone who's wealthy, but someone who gets me. Right? Because I am the Lord of Francis, kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. Those are the qualities that I delight in. That's what I like. Not the superficial, vain things that we are so often obsessed with. What a beautiful Haftorah that reminds us of priorities. It's so easy to read these Torah portions and totally miss the point. You can read these Torah portions and think, God loves animals. God loves animal sacrifice. So let me do whatever I want. And then I'll bring a few animals and we're good. Right? Let me do whatever I want in a relationship. Let me, you know, be unfaithful and not care and not pay attention and not give and not, you know, not this, not that. And then I'll bring an animal offering. I'll, I'll, I'll bring a gift. I'll show up. I'll do this, that, and then we're fine. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. God says, that's not going to work. I, I want a relationship with you. I want you to be invested. Right? Don't give me your animal. <laughs> don't give me your animal unless we're on the same page here. Then I'll take your animal. Otherwise, what do you do with the animal? Save your money. Eat the animal. Um, it's similar to you know, the expression, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Right? It's like everyone's got their, got their stuff. Oh, I'm so wise. I'm so strong. I'm so rich. God's like, okay, that's nice for you. But what does it mean for us? How dedicated are you spiritually so in this uh in this torah portion as we kind of conclude our reading of uh not kind of as we conclude our reading of tzav the whole torah portion along with haftor we read about the various details of the offerings the the additional details of the ola and the shlamim and the chatas all these uh different types of offerings the, the burnt offering the peace offering the sin offering as we read about the the um, inauguration of the kohanim and that process that was involved as we read about all of this stuff, can you pause it, please? As we read about all of this stuff, let's remember. Oh, hey, Reeves. It's bring your daughter to her mama's school day. Something like that. Anyway, as we, as we uh, conclude the Torah portion, let's remember that it's all about the relationship. The details, you can get lost in the details. You can, you, and, and, and it's very easy to make, you know, to make the details into the whole picture. But it's not. It's not, about, it's not about these details. It's not about these nuances of which animal and how did you bring it. We can't miss the big picture. I love how the Haftorah frames everything in a bit of a big picture. I hope that makes sense. All right. Why, why did we study so many weeks about all the... I'm not us, but I mean, why is the Torah so many weeks focused on all Good. these... Good, good. So I think, I think when you have a relationship, so then you have to know the details. But the point is, you could... If, you, but don't... But the, don't put the details before the relationship. In other words, when you have the relationship now, the details are very important. But you can't just have the details without the relationship itself. You can't have the, the external without the internal, so to speak. You can't have you know, the, the, the light before the essence. I'm just trying to but, uh, frame but this. We know that God knows everything, how it's going to play out. So why? I don't, it's, it's, I don't know. It's still not clear why all these weeks on all these intricate things about animals that you know are not relatable today and we and then 
He doesn't even want the animals. I don't know. Not really it was related. it was relatable for thousands of years. Oh. For um, let's say fifteen hundred years. So that's a long time. Number one. Number two. According to most, according yeah, it's going to be relatable when Mashiach comes. And number three. Reva, what did you dress up as on Purim? Ballerina. That's right. Um, and number three, some of, some of us here saw you. Mark and Donna saw you yesterday. Remember at the party? It's hard to see at the party, but whatever. Anyway, someone should turn on the lights. I'm kidding. So then you have number three. The third point is that everything is symbolic. In other words, even in our relationship. It's, we could talk about the same thing regarding prayer, Right? Prayer, I can say all the pages stand and sit and bow and, 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 and rock back and forth and do all the mechanics, but my heart could be totally distracted. So is that prayer? So then one could argue, okay, so then all I need to do is focus and meditate, then I don't need to pray. You need both. You need the internal and the external. You need the internal relationship and the external manifestation of such. It's like in a relationship, you need the love and you need to do all the right things. Uh, so, but you can't do the right things without the love. That then you're missing the core point. Mark, jump in, yeah. Yeah, it occurs to me. This is the credo of Chabad. At the time of the Baal Shem Tov, the emphasis was on uh, the, the yeshivas, the schools, the education, the education, the education. The academic, and right? Those who didn't do it, those who didn't attend or couldn't attend, were totally looked down upon. Yes. Yes. And Bashemtev says, Rahmana Liba Boy. God wants the heart. God wants the, the emotion. God wants the feeling. God wants the relationship. Beautiful. Listen, ba- the Bashemtev didn't, didn't introduce anything new to Judaism. He kind of revived. It was a revival. It sounds very southern. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good old, you know, Eastern European revival of Judaism. Judaism with heart, Judaism with soul. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. You want to join the party? <laughs> anyway, all right, good. I'm going to sign out and sign off. Wishing everybody a good Shabbos. Happy Shushan Purim. Um, they're celebrating in Israel. Let us celebrate as well. And uh, wishing everybody a good Shabbos. It's still Adar. Purim passed, but it's still Adar. It's still a month of joy. Let's joyously, there's nothing better in a relationship than joy. So let's joyously connect with Hashem. Right? Yes. With joy. And happiness and celebration. And let us say, Amen. Amen. All right. Good Shabbos, everybody. Good Shabbos, Sarah. Good Shabbos, Donna. Good Shabbos, Mark. And I know some of you are joining us. Um, well, I know at least Mark is joining us for the cooking um, Sunday. If you know anybody that wants to participate, whether it's to sponsor a meal or to volunteer to help cook and bake the meal, we have a tremendous menu. Very excited to make this food. Last time we made also a really good dinner or two, and it was really enjoyed by the residents of Rebecca's tent. And there's no doubt that this is going to be also very well received. So I look forward to seeing you then. Oh, and also I'm breaking out one of my special recipes. I'm gonna keep it under wraps. Oh, I'll tell Reva. You cook more than you cook more than potato kugel. <laughs> Ooh, she's excited. She's excited. I just whispered to her. Yes, I do more than potato kugel. I have a few under my belt. I have a few really good recipes. Reva, is my recipe for what I told you secretly was? Is it good? Yeah. Well, what's she gonna say now? She's literally in the spot. 
Are you excited about it? Do you like when I make it for you? Yes? Okay, good. All right, but remember, it's not about the recipe. It's about the love. It's about the love. Meals of love. It's not just about the technical recipe. It's about the love. So um, everybody's encouraged to participate in whatever way they can and spread the word. And uh, we'll see you very soon. Have a good Shabbos. Take care, everybody. Enjoy. Take care. All right. Bye.